0: Hey, it is eight minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. State Representative Chuck Basie is in the studio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Good. Really good. Yeah, you're not looking so good. <laughs> I feel great. It I looks just... about the way he always does, though. I, you know. Ooh. Ooh. My wife says I look great on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> Garson is on board from crafts.com. Good morning, sir. Good morning. And, of course, the head of this. CPOA Dale Roberts, on board.
1: Good morning, sir. Good morning. I heard those gunshots in the introduction felt like I was out in Columbia somewhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to talk to you about that. Uh, we're, we've got a lot of ground that we're going to cover in the next two hours, including some firearms brought in from Graffs. And before I go any, any further, are these the only two examples that you have at Graffs that you brought in?
2: Of these specific models, there's similar models like them back at the shop.
0: Okie dokie. Uh, All right, so we will get into that probably uh, in the next hour. Uh, I want to start this off with uh, some testimony in front of the Pennsylvania uh, legislature by John Lott. And he exposes so many great myths um, that I just thought this was well worth uh, playing. And then we can kind of have a a discussion about this after. So uh, this is Dr. John Lott in front of the uh, Pennsylvania State Legislature on guns.
3: I greatly appreciate your time and being invited My comments are not gonna involve the written testimony that I have. I wanna mainly talk about the testimony that's been given by others today so far here. We all wanna stop people being killed. We all wanna try to reduce violence. But a lot of the numbers that have been given here are kinda misinterpretations or not understanding how numbers are put together. So take something like automobile deaths. One thing that'd be easy for people to go and check is just pull up a graph that shows how automobile deaths per mile driven have changed since 1920. They were falling dramatically before the federal government got involved and started (laughs) issuing regulations in 1967. In fact, if you look at that, the rate of decline was actually slower after the federal government got involved than it was beforehand. The simple reason for that, companies were putting out safety regulations, safety actions, You know, collapsible steering columns, shatterproof glass, seatbelts. They were competing against each other. When the federal government got involved, everybody had to wait for the federal government to go and put out a safety regulation. Because when the government would do it, it wouldn't just say airbags. It would say you have to make the airbags, make them in a particular way. They have to use certain chemicals. They have to be installed in certain places. And the government's not fast in putting things out. And what would happen is a company would say... Do we go and put airbags in our cars or do we wait for the government to do it? They'd all wait for the government because otherwise they'd be spending hundreds of millions of dollars and waiting for the government to do it. and then they have to rip up everything and redo it. And rather than wasting all that money, they would wait for the government and actually slow down dramatically the rates of safety improvements occur. We heard from a couple uh, doctors a few minutes ago and they were talking about the horrible tragedies that they observe on a firsthand basis that's there. What you have to realize is there's lots of tragedies that are avoided that they don't see. We can't just count the tragedies that are there. 95% of the times that people use guns defensively, simply brandishing a gun is sufficient to cause a criminal to stop the attack. What would happen, you know, people who use guns to protect themselves, they have stories too about what would have happened if they had been able to go and protect themselves. Mental illness is a really serious problem and a lot of the people have talked about that. But I think we need some perspective about things that can work. So for example, if you look at the cases since 1998, 45% of the mass public shooters in the United States were actually seeing mental health care professionals within six months of their attack. And yet in not one single case do these mental health care professionals identify these killers as being a danger to themselves or a danger to others. In fact, there's a large academic literature out there among psychologists and psychiatrists to explain their inability to go and identify these individuals beforehand. And there's lots of reasons. We've related to some things about the rarity of violent crime committed by Uh, people with mental health issues and also the fact that these individuals are fairly smart and know what to say to the mental health care professionals. So an example of how smart they are is just the amount of planning that you see on the part of these individuals. Six months is a short amount of time. It's very common to see one or two or even two and a half years involved in the planning. Just an example of that is 94% of the mass public shootings in the United States occur in gun-free zones. These individuals want to kill as many people as possible, and they know if they pick a place where victims are less able to go and defend themselves, they're going to be more successful in doing it. They want to kill as many people as possible in order to get more media coverage that's there. Uh, There are things I could go on about Monday morning quarterbacking and false positives and the fact that uh, these mental health individuals are more likely to be victims of violent crime, So there's a benefit for them being able to go and defend themselves also. But uh, there's lots of issues that have come up today in terms of numbers. So for example, uh, since 1998, uh, 15% of the mass public shooters have been under 21. You know, that question has been raised multiple times during the hearing here. The median age is 34 of these mass public shooters. The actual number of attacks over the last 20 years has been fairly flat in an individual year. The number of fatalities have increased over the last few years. But the actual rate of attacks, if you use the FBI traditional definition, of four or more people killed in a public place, not involving some other type of crime like a gang fight or something like that, has actually been fairly flat. Now, one thing that's been brought up many times during the hearing today has been cross-country comparisons. And the thing is, we rarely hear about mass public shootings that occur in other countries. I'll give you a simple example. Everybody knows about the New Zealand attack. But do you know within less than 24 hours of that, there was a big mass public school shooting in Brazil? Do you know that there was a mass public shooting in the Netherlands that had occurred also within 24 hours? If you... If France, in one year, 2015, had more casualties from mass public shootings uh, than the United States had during the entire eight years of the Obama presidency, and they've continued to have them every year, uh, if you look at a per capita rate, uh, published peer-reviewed research that I had earlier this year showed that you have many countries, France, Russia, Finland, Norway, Switzerland, uh, other European countries, major European countries, lots of smaller ones too, that have death rates from mass public shootings using the FBI definition, which are substantially higher rates than we have here in the United States. They just don't get news coverage in the United States when these things go and happen uh, in other countries. Uh, If you look at the 90 countries that we're able to identify mass public shooting cases, On a per capita rate, the United States ranks 65th among those countries. Um, If you look at guns and homicides across countries, uh, whether you look at all countries or you look at developed countries, the countries with the highest gun ownership rates tend to have the lowest homicide rates. If you look at mass public shootings, you see the same relationship, the countries with the highest gun ownership rates tend to have the lowest mass rates of mass public shootings or fatalities for mass public shootings. We heard about research for, for suicides involving countries like Australia, Switzerland, and Israel. Uh, what well, you have to understand it's the same type of mistakes that are made in the motor vehicle death data that I was talking about before. Take Australia, for example. In the 15 years prior to the buyback that they had in 96 and 97, firearm suicides were falling. They continued falling afterwards. But just make a simple graph in your mind where it's perfectly straight line over the entire period of time. Any period that you pick, the after average would be below the before average. That's what everybody compares is the after average and before average. What you really want to do is see did the rate of decline increase? Did it slow down? Was there some discontinuity that occurred in that straight line that you were having? And what you find in the case of Australia is that firearm suicides, the rate of decline actually slowed down after they had the buyback. Uh, The same with uh, firearm homicides. Non-firearm suicides actually went up in Australia. There's been a lot of research by economists and criminologists that have looked at issues such as uh, suicide. And what you find is that when you look at total suicides, virtually no one is finding evidence that total suicides fall as a result of that. Um, uh, Arthur Berg at Harvard, Gary Mauser at Simon Fraser University myself, we just finished a survey, the largest survey that's been done of academics have published peer-reviewed academic research on on firearm policy in any way and what we have found is that uh the vast majority of academics are very skeptical that red flag laws or universal background checks or bans or taxes or other types of policies are going to have any impact on any type of uh murder rates or mass public shootings uh the if you, the one group that finds one type of policy seems to be particularly effective as economists believe that getting rid of gun free zones would be by far the most effective way of doing it. Um, uh, you know, uh, we want to go and try to stop bad guys from getting guns. The issues that you have here is that the major source of illegal guns are drug dealers. And the notion that you're going to be any more successful in stopping criminals from getting a hold of illegal guns than you've been able to stop them from getting a hold of uh, illegal drugs just isn't very serious. You can look at Mexico. Mexico this year is going to be having a homicide rate six times what we have in the United States. Since 1972, there's been one gun store in the country. It's run by the military, very costly, six-month background check to be able to go and buy a gun. Only about 1% of Mexicans legally own a gun in that country, and yet there's big profits for having illegal drugs. And they bring in weapons from around the world in order to protect that property. A drug gang in the United States can't go to the police and say, this other gang stole our drugs. Can you help us get them back? They have to go and set up their own militaries. If you were to go and click your fingers and cause all illegal drugs in the United States to disappear and all guns, how quickly do you think illegal drugs would be coming back into the United States? If you're in El Paso 20 minutes, how long do you think it would be before they would bring in the weapons that they need to go and protect that very valuable property that they have there? And so when 70% of the deaths are suicides and a large portion of the remaining Other deaths are involving drug gangs that are there. You have to realize that if we eliminated the guns, the suicides, the vast majority of research, as I was saying, would find no impact on total deaths. And uh, you'd have very limited effect on the others. You'd have to eliminate the profits for the drug gangs to go and deal with that. I appreciate your time.
0: Dr. John Lott. And, uh, boy, that was a lot to digest, but a lot of incredible information. Uh, We're going to sit around and chat a little bit about that. Uh, We're going to talk about this casino that's uh, put up $800 million when they did nothing wrong. All coming up on Gary on Guns, 93.9 The Eagle. 25 minutes after the hour. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Dale Roberts, CPOA. we got Garson in. uh, Chuck Basie, state representative. We just heard some uh, testimony from Dr. John Lott in front of the Pennsylvania State Legislature. Uh, and, and I'll start, uh, Chuck, with you. Was there anything that you heard in there that was like, holy Toledo, I didn't know that? Well, the, the gun-free zones.
4: Ninety-four uh, percent of the mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. I just don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. Um, you know, we we talked about that a lot. Uh, you heard a lot down at the Capitol. But um, for some reason, uh, we cannot move any legislation to do anything about those gun-free zones. Uh, have a lot of resistance. It's not just on the Democrat side, i got to admit. Um, it's, uh, you know, we've had this opportunity since I've been in the legislature, a huge supermajority, and we can't seem to advance any legislation to deal with this.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I got a question for you, that, and, I, and I'll try to get to it during the program, that it's not really gun-related. Uh, it's actually uh, more related to uh, term limits. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about it in a little bit. Uh, Garson, listening to that uh, testimony, was there anything that surprised you?
2: um not that it really applies to what we're talking about but the, the mexican uh government owning the only gun store in mexico <laughs> yeah um i that surprised me um you know there's two large ammunition manufacturers that sell a ton of ammo here in the US and i'm surprised that they're able to even make that much ammo and get it into this country with uh with the way their country's set up
0: with all the gun control laws that they have and that one store and then you hear about all those shootings, then you have to uh, you have to come to the conclusion that gun control isn't working there and it won't work anywhere else yeah I mean, I mean if you look at uh
2: after the raid at pablo Escobar's place the the armories that he had would have made a lot of militaries jealous, so uh, you can only imagine what's floating around in Mexico illegally
0: yeah it's just it, it just—it's it, counterintuitive to think, well, just because we said so, it's not going to happen. Uh, when there is demand, supply will find a way.
2: Uh, yeah, w- uh, what happened when they banned alcohol in this country?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you know that was another interesting aspect of this was uh, John Lott's uh, rather libertarian view of the war on drugs. Um, you know, it, 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 you declare this war on drugs, and. It's, it's coming into the country all over the place. Yeah, so
2: if we just legalize all drugs, that'll stop the illegal drug trade.
0: Well, yeah, if you can go into the drugstore and get something that was made by a pharmaceutical company, reputable pharmaceutical company, you'd know what was in it. You wouldn't have to worry about this fentanyl thing anymore. Well,
2: you'd probably still have to worry about what's in it.
0: Well, no, I don't think so. I think. Didn't you would... they
2: just pull a bunch of stuff off the market because it's got cancer-causing agents
1: in it? Well, yeah, Zantac, the, the, but that's a the, rare...
0: you got to understand uh, that in the, in the world of toxicologists... The dose makes the poison. And um, well, I haven't heard anything. That's any- kind of true for anything. Huh?
2: That's kind of true for anything. Yeah,
0: it is. But that's something that people don't take into consideration. You see that uh, some product contains carcinogens on the label. Right away, you're terrified.
2: Well, I just don't go to California.
0: <laughs> California has a law, and apparently you're aware of this, that if there is any carcinogen in any amount in any product, they have to list it on a label. Uh, and Otherwise, they get uh, punished.
2: Well, because it only causes cancer in California, so if I yeah, stay Anywhere else, you're
0: fine. safe, yeah. Uh,
1: but anyway, uh, let me move on. Dale? Well, I'm sitting here thinking that uh, arsenic is a naturally occurring substance in water, so I guess we need to label water as, uh, you know, hazardous. Yeah, hazards. Are,
0: you name the poison. I don't care how deadly it is. Even ricin. Donuts? Uh, no, the donuts is the one exception to the rule. <laughs> if you're on the Atkins diet, that is the... No, if if, uh, you name the most deadly poison, ricin, there is an amount you could consume that wouldn't kill you. It may be very small. And conversely, uh, you know, if you're talking even water, you can drink too much water, it'll kill you. True. Uh, There was a uh, radio contest out in California a few years ago. And uh, this woman, in order to win the contest, consumed huge amounts of water and it killed her. I remember that. And they sued the radio station. Uh, so the dose makes the poison. How did we get
1: there? How, this is this your fault, Garson? I, I don't know how we got there. It, uh, but, yeah, back to Dr. Lott's testimony. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his facts, about 45% of the shooters were actively involved with a mental health provider. And that's yeah. a topic we've discussed over and over again in the failure of so many jurisdictions to report that information to the government.
0: Well, I thought what was fascinating about that was that you get the 45% of these shooters who are under uh, the care of psychologists or psychiatrists. And none of them uh, were able to identify who might be a shooter. And with a red flag law, how would, they,
1: how would they be more accurate under those circumstances? They wouldn't be. No, that's a really frightening proposition. The, the red flag law, uh, I don't like you so I can turn you in and uh, cause yeah. you harm. And
0: and I think what would happen is psychiatrists would be compelled to say he's a danger, don't give him a gun because if they make a mistake and don't stop somebody that goes out and shoots. Liability. Yeah. Sure. All right. Casino giant, $800 million. It's wrong. It's next. Gary on guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is Gary on guns. We've got a couple of firearms brought in from graphs that Garson brought in. He's on board with us. Chuck Basie is in, state representative, and then uh, Dale Roberts, uh, CPOA. Uh, The story is that uh, in Las Vegas, uh, two years after a shooter rained gunfire on country music fans fans from uh, a high-rise Las Vegas hotel, MGM Resorts International, reached a settlement that could pay up to $800 million to families of the 58 people who died and hundreds of others who were injured, attorneys announced this Thursday... Uh, it will resolve hundreds of lawsuits in multiple states that seek compensation for a range of physical and psychological injuries from the uh, deadliest mass shootings. I listened to this uh, press conference from uh, one of the attorneys, who is undoubtedly never going to have to work again for the rest of his life. And he said, well, the MGM Grand has, uh, you know, they did some things they shouldn't have done. And uh, now they're they're making it right. And, you know, they're such good guys. And I was irritated enough to talk about this uh, yesterday on the on the radio broadcast. It just irritated the hell out of me. Uh, and I guess their assertion is that the MGM Grand was at fault because they didn't stop this guy before he busted out the window and started shooting the place up. And I don't see whether it's the MGM Grand's job. To go through your luggage and pat you down every time you come into the building, and I don't know what they could what they could possibly do. Uh, let me start with the attorney in the house.
1: Well, and uh, you know an example of that when you when you rent a motel room or a hotel room, you have a certain right to privacy in that room. You've paid for it; it's yours. Um, the last time I was in Las Vegas, I refused room service. I don't need nice sheets changed every single night, and after either two days or three days. There's a knock at the door. I go to the door, and there are three security people from the hotel saying, we need to come in and inspect your room. And, it's like, what the heck for? Well, you know, it's when you, when you check in and you sign on the line, you basically agree to this. And, I'm like, okay, I have nothing to hide. They walk in, look around the room, get on the phone, punch in a code, and leave And I said, it was a police convention. There was a police officer and I sharing a room. There were six of us out there. And I said, you know, I guess they think we're cooking meth in the room. And he said, no, they're checking for weapons. They they now come in and invade your privacy and inspect your room to make sure you don't have. And, you know, all the police officers I was traveling with had their weapons with them. But the hotels now feel they have to come in and look at your personal property and invade your privacy. Um, Yeah.
0: Now... I'm like you. I don't, I don't want them coming into my room when I'm not there, especially because as a concealed carry permit holder in any state where I can carry, I bring my firearm with me. Exactly. Uh, and then depending on what I'm wearing, I may, I may leave one in my luggage and carry the other. I don't want somebody going in there while I'm not there, going through my luggage and stealing my firearm. So I always put that do not disturb sign out. I don't mind them coming in while I'm there. That, that's fine. Uh, and like you, it's like you know I don't need to change the sheets every single night. Let's—they
2: don't really change those anyway.
0: They probably don't, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not—I'm uh, not the expert on that.
2: But the only time I travel and stay in hotel rooms is when I'm going to a match. So that means the only time I'm staying in a hotel room,
0: you got fire. I on.
2: have a small arsenal with me, so I can shoot a three-gun match, or I can shoot a pistol match, and. Yeah, that's all I have in my room. I've got I've got more guns and ammunition than I have clothes. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, a lot of these uh, matches will set up a match hotel, so that hotel knows fully well that there's going to be, you know, C- three or four hundred contestants there with, you know, three three or four guns apiece. Yeah. Um, and sometimes match hotels fill up, so you got to go out and find your own hotel in that town. And, uh, yeah, that... that Actually, worries me for traveling for matches now. If they're going to come in and start inspecting my guns or inspecting my room for guns,
4: rather have, should, it, rather it, have it in my room than in my car.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't yeah. want to leave it yeah. out in my car in a hotel.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, I know uh, the FBI, they were staying at a hotel room somewhere. I forget, I think it was in Tulsa. The FBI's vehicle got broken into and all the machine yeah. guns got stolen.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, Chuck, what could the casino have done? I,
4: I don't know. I I was like you, Gary. I was uh, amazed at that, n- not only that uh, they, they were being punished, but uh, the amount of money. That's a lot of money. $800 million. I have no idea what they could have done different.
1: And, and in terms, I don't see, you know, as an attorney looking at that, and I haven't examined, you know, the pleadings, but I don't see liability on the part of the hotel for something like that and the sad thing is i don't know how much of this was their insurance company or their pr people that too many entities in the city of columbia does it all the time figure oh it's just cheaper to pay them off than to litigate and that just encourages that sends a signal oh you can sue, sue these folks checkbook's open they'll come pay in. and, and yeah. at least a nuisance a nuisance fee you know they'll pay something so i'll i'll file suit you know, I won't, but, I mean, people will. You know, Chuck, even if they came in and inspected the room
0: every day, it wouldn't prevent somebody from, uh, you know, bringing up a luggage full of firearms the day they intend to do a, a shooting like that. Uh, they bring it up. Uh, they've already had the room inspected. Yeah, just uh, wait wait until the inspector room then bring it down.
1: Yeah. Sure. And they, then didn't, they, you know, they didn't look under our beds. They didn't look in the closet. You know, they came in, kind of took a cursory look around, punched a code in the phone that I guess tells the computer we've checked this room and left. So I don't see the liability. I don't understand
0: what they expect the hotel to do in the future that would actually prevent this sort of thing from happening. And and I'm angry that they didn't fight this. Because I think if they fought it, they could prevail. And if they prevail, that would stop more of these lawsuits from happening. Exactly. It sets a bad precedent. Yeah, it sets a bad, a dangerous
4: message. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate, but it uh, looks like. And there, there's a lot of high-rise hotels out there. I mean, at, uh, MGM or uh, the Mandalay Bay is not the only one. Oh, yeah. Just, well, it uh, there's doesn't there's even there's
2: have to no. be a hotel. I mean, if somebody wants to pre-plan something like this, I'll get myself an office space in downtown New York.
0: Yeah, it could be anywhere. Convert
2: my office into a sniper hide and then go to town.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think, and you're, you know, having been a judge and you're an attorney, do you think that they're afraid that sympathetic jury members uh, would just say, yeah, they're accountable because they want somebody to, you know, to To compensate these people?
1: You know, you always have to wonder about you know how a jury's going to react um it's an emotional issue you know there were there were, was a tragic you know situation there there's a when I was in private practice there was a service called jury verdict research that you could subscribe to and enter your data you know i have a slip and fall it's a 60 year old woman it's this many dollars in medical expenses and it could give you a fairly accurate prediction of what a jury in you know, pick a county, would do. And based on research, that's a that's big business. And so, it's a, you know, it's a coin toss in some areas, what, you know, how the jury's going to come back.
0: Have you seen that TV show Bull? Oh, yes. And you know who that's based on, don't you? Uh, no. I, uh, who's that uh, uh, psychiatrist or psychologist that uh, Oprah Winfrey uh, brought to the front? He's got his Dr. own. Dr. T- Phil? Dr. Phil. Oh. Dr. Phil is bull, okay. He used to do this for a living, uh, and they would you know be a part of wadir uh, and and decide sure who's going to be on the jury based on all this kind of data absolutely so 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 there really is a system where you can kind of almost predict your odds of victory
1: oh yes. I mean, as I said, it, you know, I guess I'm giving them free advertising if they're still doing business under the name, but Jury Verdict Research was the service that that we had a subscription to, and it would tell you, you know, using these laws and these facts in this particular county, and you could say St. Louis County, Boone County, wherever, and it would it would predict, you know, it's, it's a prediction, but, it, you know, it would give you an idea of this is what you're up against or this is what you can look forward to. All right, uh, it is uh, 45 minutes after the hour. Uh, in about uh, three minutes,
0: we'll be back to talk about concealed carry permit holders across the United States in 2019. Uh, some interesting data there on Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. It is 50, 50 minutes after the hour, and it is Gary on Guns. Glad to have you all with us this morning in studio. Chuck Basie, state representative, is on board. From graphs, we've got Garson and, of course, Dale Roberts from the CPOA. Uh, despite the expectations of many after the 2016 elections, the number of concealed handgun permits has increased for the third year in a row. In 2019, the number of concealed uh, handgun permits soared to now over 18.66 million, a 30, 304% increase since 2007, about 8% growth over the number of permits since 2018. Uh, this is pretty remarkable. is anybody surprised by this? Uh, let me start with uh, with Dale
1: not at all uh, you know and i and I think it's maybe shouldn't be related, but certainly when there are instances of violence you see a spike in the number of people wanting to get a take a class and get a permit and i think in gun sales but the numbers are have been going up for some time and the interesting thing at least to me is the the growth there's especially significant growth among women and minorities
0: that's really interesting the minority thing you know if you're in the inner city and you have uh, a high cost uh to to get and legally own a firearm Uh, That may be, uh, you know, it it may be so much money that you can't afford it. And you're in a place where you most need it. Absolutely. You know, if you're living out in the suburbs of some major city where it's, you know, much smaller, uh, uh, local police are all, you know, there to patrol all the time. And you're less likely to encounter uh, a a dangerous uh, situation like that. But if you're in the inner city you're much more likely to get involved in a situation like that, and you'd be least likely to be able to afford to defend yourself.
1: And, and from what I've read, and I haven't looked at it carefully, um, gun control, you know, 50, 100 years ago, had some really racist roots. And oh, yeah. There, there was Absolutely. a significant attempt to keep guns away from minorities. Um, this and- was a way to protect the end of uh, the... Uh, 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 KKK KKK. right yeah so I'm not you know I'm not surprised to see the growth uh, you know the next checks the the background check that one undergoes when one applies to purchase a handgun are up about 10% percent this month over what they were this month last year um, so all these numbers Chuck politically uh,
0: are the Democrats shooting themselves in the foot you know you've got uh, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke. You know, saying they're going to take our firearms. In fact, I think every one of the uh, candidates is uh, to some extreme or another anti gun. Based on this information, didn't it seem a little, you know, questionable as a political decision to do this again? I would think so,
4: but I, I believe they're all trying to cater to their base um, because, you know, they're all competing against each other to win the primary. I think once they narrow it down to one or two people in that field, I think they're probably going to might change your views a little bit, but I, I think it's a huge mistake to uh, maybe, like, Beto O'Rourke, maybe he's uh, trying to outdo Mr. Obama for uh, Salesman of the Year for firearms or something, I don't <laughs> well, know.
0: Well, you know, you, in the case of the Democrats, as opposed to the Republicans who would go in the other direction, you primary to the left, and then you try to come back to the center. Uh, but one of the things the Democrats always try to do when they're running is say, well, we're not anti-gun, we're not here to take your guns. But it's too late to say that now. They've already said it. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know how you walk that back to the middle and go, well, yeah, I wanted to take your guns, but not now. I I just don't think that's going to be plausible
4: for voters. And, you know, I I don't hear any of my colleagues, especially on the Democrat side, defending them. They don't come out and disagree with them. So I I think that's a hidden agenda. They would uh, love nothing more than to... uh, you know, take a lot of our rights away, not just
0: firearms, but a lot of other things. You now, this hurt the Democrats several years ago when they were pushing for this gun control issue. Uh, you would think that they would learn uh, the lesson uh, from that from that election cycle. Absolutely. It cost them. Yep. Garson, um, women getting permits and buying guns. Are you seeing more, more women? Now, you actually work in the back. Uh, at at graphs, so you're you're dealing more with the internet and, and international and national sales, but are you seeing more women in the front? I mean,
2: yeah, I mean definitely. I, I started I started in this industry at Target Masters two decades ago, and um, the the holsters and the guns um, designed for women have increased a hundredfold from when I first started in this industry. Um, the, I the at matches, I see more women shooters uh, at every match I go to. Um, so it's um, it's you know women either you know coming out with you know boyfriend or husband. Not anymore. They're they're coming out by themselves or with their friends. Um, not you know just because their boyfriend or husband's doing it.
0: Yeah. In fact, a friend of ours,
1: uh, Joe. Yes. Uh, is doing some classes that cater just to women. Right. I know Joe Gilbert is doing a, a, a ladies' day class, and I know Target Masters, I think one night a week, has ladies' night discount shooting. And, and the interesting thing about this in terms of the Democrats, according to the Democrats, uh, Beta O'Rourke, for example, working close to home is a right he has said that rich, <laughs> rich people are going to have to allow poor people in their neighborhoods so that poor people can work close to home. Elizabeth Warren has specifically said health care is a basic human right and pushed that. All the uh, Democratic candidates, to my knowledge, say abortion is a right. Um, Warren and Sanders are both saying education is a right. We need the government to pay off everybody's student loans because education is a basic right. Right. Um, People have the right to earn a wage higher than the economic value of what they provide. You know, they have a right to to live well. Uh, Emily Peck from Huffington Post came out and said women have a right to free tampons. But somehow, the one right that's expressed in the Bill of Rights, they don't support. Did
0: you notice (coughs) anything in common with the Democrats' Bill of Rights versus the Constitution's Bill of Rights? (laughs) It, they really don't
2: support free speech for our side either.
0: Well, yeah. well it, the Bill of Rights in the Constitution doesn't cost anybody anything, but the Bill of Rights that Democrats are proposing, every one of them has a price tag for the taxpayer. They're all they're all really expensive. Tends to be somewhat pandering,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh, to a certain <laughs>
0: yeah. <population. laughs> yeah <I'll say. laughs> Bernie Sanders came out and said everybody has a right to live in. Uh, Brian, uh, do, do you remember the exact phrase? They have a right to live in. Uh, like a two bedroom, I can't remember like, the exact. But it was uh, uh, they have a right to live in a really nice place. Um, so who's going to pay for that? Exactly. Yeah, and then, and Brian that day we talked about this on the air looked it up in San Francisco, and to rent a two bedroom, uh, one be- no, it was, you looked up and found a one bedroom one bath, and it was like four hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. Well, well that's going to cost. So it's going to hurt somebody. Uh, anyway, eight seven four ninety three ninety. The toll free number is eight hundred five two nine five five seven two. Last year, the number of permit holders continued to grow. Seven point three percent of American adults have permits outside the restrictive states of California, New York. About eight and three quarter percent of the adult population has a permit. In thirteen states, more than ten percent of adults have permits, down from just fifteen last year. The three states that now fell below 10% are now all constitutional carry states. Arkansas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, where people no longer need a permit to carry in their states. South Carolina was the uh, one state that had been b- below 10% that was now above it. Alabama has the highest rate, 26.3%. Indiana, second, 17.9%. South Dakota, another the Constitution, carry state, saw its percent decline to 16.2%. There's Indiana making
2: more trouble for Chicago again.
0: Yeah, you know, those nasty uh, Indianans uh, sending all their firearms into Chicago. Isn't it amazing that all those cities in between, uh, you know, like Indianapolis and Chicago, uh, aren't riddled with dead bodies? Because you'd think, you know, if, if the guns are dangerous in Illinois, they'd be dangerous in Indiana.
2: In route, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: You know, you stop for gas on
1: your way to transport the guns. Why pay when you can just shoot the attendant? Exactly. But that, and, and looking at these numbers, Minnesota, which just within the past few years legalized concealed carry or constitutional carry, I think both, the NICS numbers for firearms checks in Minnesota this year is up 53%. So... There's a lot of movement out there. Uh, I always, uh, when I
0: throw this out, when we talk about constitutional carry, I always throw this out because I think this is one of the most valuable pieces of information that we can uh, offer. Yes, in the state of Missouri, you no longer need a permit to carry the gun, but you should at least take the class because you have no idea how much trouble you can get into. Well, and we have permitless
2: carry; we don't have constitutional carry.
0: Yeah, permitless carry, but you have no idea the trouble that you can get into, even if you're in the right. Absolutely, so take true. The class learn what you need to. All right, uh, we got news. We got firearms from Graphs. We've got phone calls. We're going to take those in five minutes on Gary on Guns ninety three ninety Eagle. <laughs>